0: And amen. Amen. And amen. Well, have you ever, you ever been in a position or a situation before where you just had to figure it out? You ever been in a spot like that where you just, you just have to figure it out? There's no instruction manual. There's no book. There's no anything like that. Uh, you just got to. There's no YouTube. I'm on now, right? You just in a spot. You got to figure it out. A couple of months ago when uh, we were expecting baby number two, uh, many of you know our journey. We developed, uh, we found out we developed some uh, complications uh, with Crosby's health, which got her admitted to the hospital 15 days before the baby came. And so we were kind of navigating that. Well, on the day uh, that Ellie, baby Ellie was born, May 1st, uh, her, Crosby's pregnancy was such a high risk pregnancy that they would not allow me in the delivery room. I was not allowed in. No matter how much I offered them, they would not let me in. And, uh, and so I had to wait outside and, and there was a nurse that was kind of texting us and updating us on what was going on. And, and then when the baby was born, uh, it was really exciting, but uh, then I didn't know what to do next. Because they took the baby and they took the baby up to the NICU for a couple of hours because it's kind of their standard operating procedure. Because mom was going to be wheeled uh, over to ICU, and so I step into this moment and I've got a baby in the NICU and I've got a, I've got a mom, my wife, uh, in the ICU. And so I was like, "What do I do here?" And so I ran up to the to the uh, the NICU and uh, got to be with my baby. I brought a, a photo uh, of the kind of the first moments of uh, being able to sit there and be with baby L she 's all hooked up, she was perfectly fine, no problems it was just kind of their uh, procedure and so got to be with her but um, and when we she got checked in, she got her own room at the hospital. And so mom had a room in the ICU and then baby had her own room and it was really fun for me as the dad uh, because uh, we're in, the, we're in the, ho- the, uh, the, the hospital room with baby Ellie and the staff would walk in and they would see the baby in the spot and then they would see the dad in the bed and they would say, what is going on here? Right? Like, how does this work out? And I have to explain it, all that stuff. And what we would do in the evenings for the first four days is I would take baby Ellie, I would put her in her, the bassinet, the little mobile ones, and I would literally, I found a path through the hospital that I could get to the ICU that was away from kind of a, you know, a bunch of people and stuff. And so I'm navigating, going through like the surgical part of the, you know, me and Ellie just like wheeling her around, if you can imagine, this like day old baby. And we, you know, we'd get her over to mom in the ICU and allow mom to have time. With her baby and and feed baby and all that stuff. Well, we had a great system for the first four days. But then what happens? She got discharged. And mom was still in the hospital, which meant that dad had to take home this brand new infant. And let me just tell you, those uh, those dads that have had infants, and if you have ever you ever want to be you know a dad that has an infant, uh, there's a reason that they go home with mom because mom can give baby something that dad cannot give baby, right? And so we would we would I remember we would uh, get home and it would be late, and I'd have baby Ellie in in the bassinet right next to the bed, and then I would lay out all, anything that I might possibly need for that baby, right? I'd have the milk laid out, I have the diapers laid out, I have the cream laid out, I have the extra set of clothing laid out, and then I would, I would try to go to sleep, and I would lay down, and those with, you know, the infant route, like any noise they make, you jump, right? Because you're like, I want to make sure that you stay alive, because if I don't keep you alive, I can just go file for divorce today, right? Because it ain't going to work out. And, uh, and I just jumped into it, and I, and I just had this feeling like there was no uh, there was no YouTube videos for that, there was no instruction manual for that, you just- just get into this spot where you have to figure it out. Have you ever been in a spot like that before where you just have to figure it out? Has anybody ever ever started a relationship before say yeah, right? Some of you are like, oh boy, where's he going this morning, right? Anybody that has ever started a relationship, you know that you had the DTR conversation. DTR stands for define the relationship, right? At some point, one party or the other is going to want to know where are we going? What are we doing? And the same is true when it comes to raising our kids or when it comes to finances. We have to figure out where we are going. But here's the surprising thing, I think, for a lot of people that follow Jesus, is that when we start to follow Jesus, we feel like all of our decisions have already been figured out for us. And you kind of wade in and you realize when it comes to, your faith faith is another area where we have to figure it out and we have to find our way and does anybody find it interesting that when Jesus invites people to join him he would say two things he would say follow me let's try that again he would say follow me but do you ever notice how Jesus does not tell them where they are going is that interesting to anybody else He says, he doesn't say, follow me, going to Chick-fil-A right after we do this thing, right? He doesn't say, hey, follow me, going to the Padres game, which who are over 500 for the first time at the halfway mark in over 10 years. Look at that. That is amazing. I will preach my heart out this morning, but I tell you about the Padres and we get a standing ovation. How about that, right? (laughs) Right? We love the Padres. But that's a surprising thing when it comes to our faith is that we step into this journey of following Jesus and we're excited, but then we get to this part where it's like, wow, I I've kind of have to figure it out and kind of have to find my way. That's what I wanna look at this morning because the the good news for us is that this is not uncharted territory. In fact, we're gonna look at a story in the Bible where the disciples were in the exact same spot where they stepped into this journey of following Jesus, but then they found themselves having to kind of figure it out and find their way. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be looking at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm gonna give some context for us before we jump into it, of course, as always. As you're moving in that direction, there's Bibles all over the place, you can grab it on your phone. I just want to encourage you to, to have the text in front of you this morning, but let me give you a, a little bit of context. So the disciples, the disciples at this point in the story have been on quite a journey. They have uh, left really everything so that they could follow this person, Jesus, and Jesus delivered. He delivered. He, he had um, unbelievable teaching. He had teaching in which the, the scripture would tell us that he, was, his, he taught with such authority that people felt like he was either from God or from the devil. Either way, there was some power behind what he was talking about. And not only that, he backed up his teaching with uh, these miracles and uh, uh, wild experiences as they were kind of, they felt like they were part of a movement. Like they felt like they were part of something that was accomplishing something great. And if that wasn't Enough, the crown jewel really for Jesus, what he what was able to accomplish, was that he raised a guy from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's somebody that can raise somebody from the dead, I'm all in on that candidate, right? It's like, I'm, I'm in. I'm gonna follow that person wherever. And so everything is going awesome. Going so good. So good to the point where they start to believe this Jesus is actually the, the king that's gonna to return to Jerusalem and return Israel to power and, and there's gonna be peace and prosperity and and he, and he says, we're going to Jerusalem, which was a great sign for all the disciples because that's where it was believed that he was gonna announce his, his, his running for the kingdom, if you will. Right? And he's like, they're all in. so excited. so much uh, anticipation. And then he gathers his disciples around and he's like, I got a great speech for you. Here it is. I got to go. What? I got to go? All that we've been accomplishing, all, I mean, Jesus, you're missing the point here. We got more to do. There's a lot that's going to happen. He says, I got to go. And that's what we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 14, verse one. So if you've got it, would you say, I got it? All right, so this is what it says. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And then this is like, if you have your Bibles or notes or what, anything like that, this is one of the most um, profound verses for me because it's like Jesus says something that I don't think they realize they're believed. He says, you know the way. You know the way. It's like he's saying, you already know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas jumps in, <clears throat> doubting Thomas, right? He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And one of the most famous parts in the scripture, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what I love about Thomas in this passage is that Thomas asks the question that we all ask when we are facing uncertainty. Where are we going? Right? When we don't know where we're going, we want to know where. Where are we going? Have you ever made Have you ever made dinner plans with anybody other than you? You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever made dinner plans with anybody other than you, which meant that you had to kind of decide with another person what you want to eat, and you you approach them and you ask them this question. You say, "What do you want to?" To eat, right? And they respond to you, I don't know, we'll just figure it out. And you say, no, no, no. That is not how it works out because you know that you'll just, you'll, you'll wrestle and you'll argue and then you'll end up at Taco Bell for the second time this week, right? Oh, come on, all you healthy people out there, right? But you know that that's not how it works. You know because you, when it comes to figuring out, you want to know where are we going? Because any time that we face uncertainty, we have this like human thing, or maybe it's an American thing, where we say, no, 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 I want to know where we are going, now, this is true when it comes to deciding dinner plans or figuring out a relationship or when it comes to following Jesus. Like, even when it comes to following Jesus, we feel like we have this right to know where Jesus is leading us. But I remember, I remember when I was uh, first meeting uh, Crosby, who's my now wife. At the time, she was not my now wife. Uh, she was somebody that I was very interested in, and uh, I was excited. We had met at a, at a country concert, which is where all good things happen. And we met there, and um, you know, I was got her got her number, and we, we started to talk and stuff. Well, I was at a different place in my life. I had finished school, and and was kind of like I was kind of ready to, to take that next step. Well, Crosby was not at that place. She was finishing up uh, nursing school, and she w- had planned on running a, a a half marathon, the San Diego half marathon, and on top of that, she was going to be uh, uh, studying to take her nurses test, the NCLEX, which meant that she had no time for me, is what that meant. And I, I remember. I remember like trying to navigate this thing and, and, uh, and I, I was not used to that. I was not used to kind of somebody else dictating to me how things were going to work out, right? I remember in one instance we had hung out and it was like the beginning of the month, you know, and I said, oh, hey, you know, I was like, when do I get to see you again? which is a very romantic thing to say, right, to somebody that you're interested in. And she said, oh, I don't know, how about three weeks from now, right? And I'm like, that's not how it's gonna work, right? I can't work that way. And I remember calling her and, uh, and having this kind of serious conversation because I was so insecure in, in the relationship and so I wanted to know, where are we going? right? I wanted to know, like I I even communicated to her, I don't feel like I'm a priority to you. And if she would have answered honestly, she probably would have said, yeah, you're right. You're not, right? But she was gracious and she didn't say that. But I remember, I remember feeling uneasy because anytime that there's uncertainty, we want to know where we are going. And here is why. Here's why. Because we believe if we can know where we are going, then we can find our way, right? How many of you, how many of you use the GPS feature on your phone? Raise your hand, say yeah, right? right? We, how, many of you, how many of you thank God for the GPS feature on your phone, right? Hallelujah, you, it's like we can, we can shut that part of our brain down. We can open it up to binging on Netflix, right? Or something like that. They can use it for something else. Some of you are like, oh, binging on Netflix, that's not very holy, Pastor Mike. Well, whatever, right? Right? But we love it. You know why we love the GPS? If you don't, unfamiliar with GPS, you know, you just flew in here from Mars. How it works yeah. is that you enter in the address or the, even, even remotely the place that you would like to be. You push go. And the next thing that happens is that all of a sudden, all these directions on how to get there pop up. You can figure out how to get there by car. You can figure out how to get there by bus. You can figure out how to get there by a bike. You can figure out how to get there by walking. You can figure out how to get there by climbing on some else's shoulders and getting there right it's like it gives all of these and we love that don't we we love that we love knowing that if I want to take seven more minutes out of my day I can go that way or if I want to go this way but we love knowing it because we feel like if I know where I'm going then I can find my way here's the problem with it if you are a Jesus follower is that Jesus does not share the same concern. He does not feel any need to explain to you where he is leading you. He doesn't feel that. He, he, he's not sitting up in heaven thinking, oh, I, I don't, maybe I should tell them, I don't know. He doesn't feel that at all. But can I tell you some? I wanna give you a big truth. He's, and we're gonna look at it in a moment. Jesus does give us the big where. He does give us the big where. When we want to know where are we going, Jesus? Like, where are you leading me? He gives us the big where. Here is where Jesus is leading us. He's leading us home. He's leading us home. Look what he says to the the disciples when he just tells them, I got to go. Pick it up in verse two. He says, my father's house, right? He's referring to God. It has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to to prepare a place for you? And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back so that I can take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You see, Jesus is taking us home. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God has a place for you. Tell him, turn to your neighbor, tell him, God has a place for you, right? Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not so sure about you. (laughs) No, 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 right? right but for everybody else we want to invite you back next week we're going to look at 7 we're going to look at all the different things your hang ups doesn't that sound so fun we're going to look at pride and envy and gluttony woo nobody else okay right but we're going to look at these things that keep us from becoming who God has called us and created us to be right and we want you to come back for that but Jesus gives us the big where. If you've ever like, felt confused or frustrated with Jesus, Jesus is telling you where he's leading you. He's leading you home. And the way he's doing that, see, all the stuff that I think God brings into our life and the way that he challenges us and he stretches our faith and he builds us, all of it is so that he can get you to the ultimate destination, which is to get you home. That's his goal for your life, right? Right? Yeah, okay, we don't get to live in the 5,000-square-foot home all the time, right? Yeah, it doesn't rain Ford F-150s. If it did, I would be there, right? Things don't always work out the way that we had hoped, but you need to hear this. God's goal is not always for your immediate comfort and certainty. His goal is to get you home, and that's what he's laying out for his disciples. I get it. I get it. It's hard, we don't have it all figured out. I totally understand that. Jesus says, but listen, my father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, I wouldn't tell you that. And if I, if, I'm not, if I had to leave, I'm gonna leave so that I can come back to take you to be with me. He said, because I'm gonna take you home. You see, he doesn't always give us the small stuff, but he does give us the big stuff, but wouldn't you like to have the small stuff sometimes? Say, yeah. Like, wouldn't you like to know what's next in the journey? Like like if you're in a relationship, wouldn't you like to know if I'm making a good decision or a bad decision? You know, one of my guilty pleasures here lately, are you ready for this? Is a show. And it's a show on TLC. And it's a show called 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this show before. A little embarrassed to admit that, but that's okay. In it, It's always interesting because you have two parties. You have one party comes together. Maybe somebody's from out of the States, somebody from within the States. They come together. And inevitably, most of these relationships do not work, right? And they're so shocked, and you in the audience are like, are you joking, right? Like, are you kidding? But wouldn't you like to know what's next if you're in a relationship? I hope if you're in one of those relationships, you're not here this morning. If you are, we can talk after the church, right? But wouldn't it be nice to know what was next when it comes to relationship? How about for if, you're, if you're in a career and you wanna know, is that a long-term career for me? Is that a good direction for me? Or what about how many of you here, you would like to know, what's the next best step to raise my kids? Say yeah, Right, okay, one lady in the back, hey, right, everybody else, you got it figured out, right? Y'all go get coffee afterward, right? But but we would want to know, we would love to know, what's the next step? We all would like to know if Jesus would just give us that next step. And he doesn't share that concern because he's trying to get us to the big place. But I love how Jesus responds to, I think, us and the disciples in verse 4. In verse 4, okay, again, we come back to it. He says that, that, that line. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the way. Jesus is like, even though they don't feel it, they don't believe it, he's saying you already know how to get there. You already know the way. I remember a few years, it's been three years, over three years at this point, and um, we were, my wife and I, we, um, Eventually, I got out of that uncertainty part with my wife, and so she agreed to marry me, which is why she's here today, right? But I, I remember three and a half years ago, or a little over three years ago, where we were kind of navigating, and my mom had, uh, had been diagnosed with cancer, and our whole first year of our marriage, we were, she was living in Phoenix, and so I was getting over there as much as I could, and you know, working out, being married for the first, in our first year. And um, just navigating that, and I remember, like, just re- feeling, like, really perplexed, like, where is God in all of this? My mom was the most sweet woman that you've ever met in your life, like, never heard a fly, like, never did anything, you know, bad, any, any, any all of the reasons that we kind of think about And and here she's stricken with um, what we believe was probably like pancreatic cancer, which is like kind of the worst cancer to have. And we're just watching her just um, go through this and treatments didn't work and waste away and, and just like wondering where is God in all of this? And I remember kind of like searching scripture and reading and praying and meditating. And this verse popped out to me where Jesus tells his disciples, you know the way, you know the way. And can I be honest with you? I took that scripture and I, I just put that somewhere deep in my heart. Because what it told me is that if I, even when I don't know my way, even when I don't know what's, how it's going to play out, even when I don't know how it's going to go, there was this truth that just jumped out to me. And the truth is this. And this is what I want to give to you this morning. If you can know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. If you can know the way, you'll always be able to find What do I mean by that? And I put it in parentheses. If you can come to know who the person of Jesus is and walk with Jesus and have relationship with Jesus, you'll always be able to find your way. You'll always be able to know what's the next step. How do I get through this? How do I deal with this season of my life? How do I deal with this child? How do I deal with this difficult situation? What do we do here? Can you hear me this morning? If you can know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. This is the best GPS I could ever give to you. That if you'll know the way, Jesus will help you learn how to take a step here and then take a step there. And before you know it, you're through that difficult season or before you know it, you're through that decision that you need to make. Because here's the thing, if you can know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. You'll always be able to find your way. There's There's a quote that I love from this guy named Oswald Chambers. And it says this, And don't miss this, this is powerful. He says to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all our ways, not knowing what tomorrow may bring. And this is important to us as Americans because we value, if not idolize certainty, don't we? I wanna know that when I go out there that my car will start. And if it doesn't start, I know that AAA will show up and make it all right right? And if that doesn't work, I can go to the dealership and I can use my credit card to buy a new car, right? We, I know, I know, I hear you, right? But we love the idea of certainty. We want to know that things work for sure. It's as American as apple pie. When you celebrate firecrackers next week, know that certainty is part of that American value, because we want to know. We love this. We, 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 and honestly, we work our whole lives to work out all of the uncertainty in our lives. But you need to hear this. To be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all our ways. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. This is generally expressed with a sigh of sadness, but it should be an expression of breathless expectation. Why? Because we are uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. You can be certain of God. When Jesus says, I'm going to create a place for you, I'm gonna take you to be where I am, that means he's gonna take us home. You can be certain of that. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, I don't know how it's all gonna play out, but one thing I can be certain of is knowing that God is certain. And I can put my hope and my trust in that. Do you know why every week we get together and we talk about Jesus, and we talk about placing your hope in Jesus is because this is what we want you to experience, we want you to experience the certainness of God. Because when you are certain of God, you ain't worried about all the other stuff. When you're certain that God has got your back, you're not worried if anybody else has your back. When you are certain of God, you're not worried about where the next paycheck is going to come from. When you are certain of God, you're not worried about what the doctor's going to say. When you are certain of God, you're not worried about anything that life throws your way. Because we can be certain of God. And if you can know the way, you'll always be able to find your way. Now, why does that matter? Besides all the reasons that I just shouted about. But why does that matter? Because we get lost. Yes. Another way that I'm putting it, and it's because it's on my slide this morning, but you're close, is this. Is that there's always somewhere to navigate. There's a lot of where out there. You ever notice that? You ever notice how you get through one season and you kind of like figured that one out and then what happens? You get into a, another unknown season and, and you've got to figure, it, figure that one out. You've got to learn how to navigate that one. And the point is, is because there's always some where to navigate. In the scripture, Jesus lays it out this way. He says in verse one, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, Why does Jesus say, don't let your hearts be troubled? Why does he say, don't let your hearts be troubled? Because Because your hearts are going to be troubled. (laughs) Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled because he knows your hearts are going to be troubled. He knows that you're going to go through difficult seasons. Here's what I think he was trying to help the disciples understand and know, is that even though he was with them and he helped them navigate and he would fix things, if they broke it, Peter shows up, cuts a dude's ear off. He's like, that's not how we do it, peels that thing. Can you imagine if you have Jesus on your side? You're not really worried about making mistakes, are you? It's like, uh, even when you know, Peter steps out and they said, hey, who are people saying that I am? Peter's like, you're the Messiah. Jesus is like, hallelujah, you got it right. And then he turns around and he says, yeah, yeah, but you going to heaven, we're not hearing any of that. And then he turns around and he says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but that's probably a bad day, right, as a disciple. But if you got Jesus by your side, you're not worried about making mistakes. All of a sudden, Jesus says, I gotta go, which means uncertainty rushed in for the disciples. And so what he's, he's wanting to help them understand is this principle right here. If you hear nothing else, hear this. The only thing that is certain in this life is uncertainty. The only thing that is certain in our life is uncertainty. That's why Jesus tells his disciples and he tells all of us here this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because he knows our hearts are going to be Troubled. Now, back to that that point, I wanna end with this, is that there's always somewhere to navigate. I've experienced that. I'm 35 years old, and and for most of my life that I can remember, my life has constantly been in this process of navigating one area, navigating one relationship, navigating one season, navigating one decision, to where I'm like, it's not, I, I, I get it. Life is all about navigating the different uh, situations that arise. And as I mentioned, the good news is is that if we know Jesus, he helps us navigate them all. And I can remember, I can remember three years ago, We, uh, my wife and I, I I joke that we parachuted in uh, into San Diego. We were, we got married, and I was, I was on staff at a church in Orange County. My and my wife was on, uh, was a nurse uh, down here, and so we moved to Oceanside. It was just a halfway point, and then uh, I got connected with Pastor Moses, and then this opportunity opened here three years, a little over three, three years ago. And I remember uh, stepping in and and being uh, so, you know, so excited. I I joke that this was the first church that gave me all of the keys. Like, they, when, they, when I said yes, and they said, great, like, here's all of the keys. And I thought, that's interesting. I've never gotten all of the keys before. And we went to work. I saw a place where I wanted to, I wanted to make an impact. I saw a place where I wanted to breathe new life. I was excited about uh, Pastor Moses and South Hills and their vision for churches. And so, and so we got to work. And as we got started, it was like another one of those jumping into navigating season. You see, when, when many of you, when you step in today, there's all of these like processes and procedures, the building looks nice, you know, there's all these like great things that are in place. That was not the case when we got going. In fact, uh, when we got going, there was a, a family that had a, a couple of different positions that they were occupying. Uh, and when we kind of decided, "Hey, this is South Hills, this is the direction that we 're going," uh, they, they decided that they didn't want to be a part of that. And so as we jumped in, my wife and I, young, 32, ready to go, we had zero staff. Yay! right? Oh that 's not Yeah, right. Oh, that's not, you're not supposed to get excited about that, right? So we stepped in, we had no worship leader, we had no kid, we had no kid's person, and, uh, and, and we had to kind of like rebuild this thing. And we, the way we do church is very different than we do now. When we stepped in, we would have a service like today, and then, and, and then six days, we would make as many improvements as we could, and then we'd come back, and we would worship together, and we would teach, and we would, we would continue to do that. And there was this constant like flux of navigating this. And the, here's the amazing thing too, is that all along, God gave us exactly what we needed to get us to where we're at. I I remember I had a conversation with the Camberos family. If you don't know them, Blanca is our Kid Nation director and her husband is Domingo. And I I joked in the first service that I, I, I I went and I wined and dined them. I took them over here to the local Applebee's Uh, It was a joke, by the way, right? Yeah, I took him to Applebee's and asked her, I said, would you step in as our Kid Nation person for three months? We'll reassess after three months, we'll figure it out if we need be. That was over three years ago, right? And they've just been amazing, and honestly, Blanca has built one of the best Kid Nation uh, ministries, if not in this area, in the city. I'm not joking about that, what she's built and her team, and it's been amazing. Domingo, same, anything that I gave to him, he just ran with it, built it, and then not long after that, uh, God sent us the Pitts family. If you know Tim, Tim's one of our key volunteers. And he just, he literally, I used, to, I used to do a lot of the things that Tim does in the morning, which is cleaning, getting set up. And I was out there in the parking lot. Tim rolls in in his car and he says, what time's church? I said, it's not for another hour and a half, come back, right? And uh, he did. He came back and, and started to attend and before long was serving and, you know, and has become a pillar in this church. And then not out, long after that, God sent us to Rubio's, Mike and Rosanna Rubio. And and I remember the first time I met Mike was in the hospital. He had a major heart uh, 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 surgery and, you know, was like, I wasn't really sure if he's going to recover. And he said, kind of made a deal like, hey, God, if you get me through this, I'm going to start coming to church, doing things. And sure enough, he started to darken the door a little bit. And then before long, he was in him and Rosanna, and then we got to baptize both of them right on this stage, and then just jumped in and has been just pillars. And then uh, Nico is all Nico has been here since the founding of the church seventy five years ago, even though he's only forty years old. Right, I'm just joking about that. But Nico is just here and ready to serve and ready to take this thing and move it forward. And um, and we even have uh, Miss Joanne who's who's here this morning, and it was her aunt who actually planted this church, which started over national city in a where did the church start in a chicken coop coop (laughs) was the origins of where we are it's amazing no that's amazing and in and you know, I've noticed just in our last like, couple of years, just all the different things that we've navigated. But as we've navigated that, one of the things that we have done is that we have agreed as a community that we're going to follow Jesus. You know, we're going to know the way. And he has helped us and he's helped navigate our way. And God has given us amazing teams and volunteers that, to help us get to where we are at this morning. But but, we for, but we're, we're in this season again. My wife and I are in this season again where we feel like it's this, another season to navigate has emerged for us. As I mentioned, my as we were, a couple of different factors a couple of months ago, we discovered my wife has pulmonary hypertension, which is an incurable disease, and we're navigating that, figuring that out. Not to mention that we've got two babies under the age of two, which is a, <clears throat> it's a great decision, right? Whoever does, does that, but um, But it's just been like, it's been a lot over the last couple of months. And and if you back up even beyond that, as we were expecting baby number two, we lost Crosby's grandpa. And it just for us, it brought family into a real sharp focus. For us, And, you know, we were trying to start to ask questions her family's all up in Orange County and, you know, and we've kind of, like I said, parachuted in here and doing family, doing the married thing and, and obviously like loving on, on this church. And so we just started to navigate what, you know, what does God have for us? And we started to pray and started to fast, started to seek God uh, about, you know, what, what, what is the next step? We kind of felt some movement. And as we got closer to that second baby being born, we were hit with that news of uh, Crosby's health and put us in the hospital for 25 days. And, and we just felt like that was confirmation that it was time for, for us to, to step down as the pastors. And so we, we came to that decision. It was not easy to come to that decision. Um, like I said, through lots of just praying and fasting and kind of seeking God and figuring out you know, what was next for us, um, it just got to this point where I felt like I, I, I can't lead the church in a healthy and effective way and lead my young family in a healthy and effective way. And one of those things had to give, and I, I wanted to be the dad for my little girls that I always wanted to be and the husband that I always wanted to be. And so we, we've decided that this is another season where we're going to be navigating, um, navigating it. And uh, I know that's like, obviously, uh, for some it's a big surprise, and maybe for others not so much. But um, that's, like, that's where we're at. And so I want to invite Pastor Moses to make his way up here just to kind of help us figure out, you know, um, what is next for us obviously we 'll have lots of time to have conversations um, about kind of how we got to this point but um, but we wanted to one of the things that we value is is you know being able to be a family and share these things and so we wanted to bring this before you and share this with you um, that that 's where we 're at and that 's what 's happening um, but the good news is is that there's a there 's a great plan in place um, and that 's why this handsome man is here this second morning. second to handsome warning so,
1: um, one of the things that you know normally happens in these moments of transition is uh, your your human head and your human heart start to um, wonder like, "Oh my gosh, did Pastor Mike do something wrong no he's, he didn 't do anything wrong he 's not being fired um, he didn 't break any rules didn't uh, it, there was no moral failures, uh, none of that. Um, this is truly just uh, some unexpected um, seasons of life that ultimately life chose to bring on to his plate. And as a man of God, and as a, re- as a husband who's responsible for a wife, and, t- and as a father who's responsible for two kids. Um, he's making the decision that God needs him to make. Mm-hmm. So this isn't uh, this isn't a, Pastor Mike. Are you doing something that God is not asking you to do? This is not that at all. Um, so Pastor Mike and I, we've been in prayer uh, for quite some time now. With what is God doing in His heart? What is God doing in His life? What is God doing with His family? Um, and as these circumstances arose that he could not plan, nor can Crosby plan, um, there was some things that ultimately. Um, needed to happen in order to make sure that his wife was being taken care of and that his 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 girls were being taken care of. so I just want to make sure that I first you know make sure that you understand. Nothing wrong happened. Pastor Mike and I are still a great relationship. We're still great friends, as I've mentioned to you several times. He really is my favorite campus pastor for many reasons, not only because he's the best looking one, but uh, he is the only guy uh, out of my, all my campus pastors that I actually can talk sports with. All the other knuckleheads are like, what's a basketball? and What's a baseball? And I'm like, uh, never mind. Just go preach. Go preach. And so, go um, take care of your church. you know, yeah, go take care of your church. Gosh. We'll, we'll, and so this, is, this has been a great relationship for me because not only is he an amazing campus pastor, amazing man of God, not only can he preach the word of God, but he also has been a great friend to me and he will continue to be a great friend to me. And so he will always be a part of our South Hills family. Um, God is, like I said, is navigating his life in a season where he needs to step down for ministry and do a career that is uh, less stressful for him and his family that's a little more Structured where ultimately he can clock in, clock out, and ultimately be there for his, for his family. And so um, what I also like to uh, share with the church is this. Whenever God asks you to do something, no matter how difficult it is, even when it feels like something's being removed from your life, never has God removed something from your life to give you something worse. Never has God asked you to remove something from your life to give you a, a bad experience. I've been in a relationship with God for as long as I can think of. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I'm a third-generation pastor. I've seen God move in not only in our own lives but in the lives of others and the lives of churches. And so although Pastor Mike and his wife Crosby had to make a difficult decision to step down from something that they have poured their heart into for the last three years... They're doing the right thing by being obedient to God, and God has great things in store for him and his family. That's number one. All right, so let's give God a round of applause for a pastor who's being obedient to God's word. And number two, whenever God moves in the church and allows a transition like this to happen, he's not going to remove Pastor Mike to bring in... Another pastor who's going to bring back the stained glass windows, who's going, to, who's going to go backwards to back to one service and is now going to shrink the church to uh, less people. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is the new pastor that's coming in is going to be able to build off of what this man has done in this city with this congregation, this church. And so difficult decisions do have to be made when we're following God's, when we're following God's guidance. But the reality is this, when those difficult decisions are made, greater things are in store for everyone involved with those decisions. And so I just want to make sure you guys understand, yes, I oversee multiple campuses. I have to be a part of these transitions when they do happen. Never do we ever ask a pastor to come in for just a short season, like six months, a year, two years, three years, four years. We always ask them to come in, come in uh, ready to pastor a church uh, for the rest of your life. That's always the mindset, and that, and that it has always been the mindset. But the reality is we also understand life and God change things in certain seasons, and we submit to that. Hmm. We submit to that because at the end of the day, this isn't Pastor Mike's church, and this isn't Pastor Moses' church. Right. This is God's church. Right. This is God's church, and this is God's son. And we're going to be obedient to what God has in store for his son and for his church. And we're going to trust the guidance and direction the Holy Spirit is, is, is leading at this time. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. All right, so if you can do me a favor and just, uh, I just want to pray for Pastor Mike, and I just want to thank God for the privilege that I have to call him friend, and uh, the privilege, privilege that I have that uh, let can be a part of our, our South Hills family. And I just want you to just extend your arm out to him. And this is, you know, just is just an agreement that, Pastor Mike, we're in support of you. We're believing that God has uh, great, great things in store for you and your family, and that God has great, great things in store for South Hills San Diego. Uh, let's just go pray at this time. Father, we just thank you. I just want to thank you for the man of God that is standing next to me. I want to thank you for the great friend that I now can call a friend and, be, and, and lean on. God, I want to thank you for the ministry that he has done here in South Hill, San Diego. I want to thank you, Lord, for the, for the words that you've used him. Uh, Lord, Lord, the words that you've used him. Lord, you've used his words. Mm-hmm. You've used his hands. You've used his feet. You've used his stories. You've used his experiences. you used, Lord, his life mm-hmm. to impact all of us. And we are all now closer to you because of the ministry that Pastor Mike has had here in South Hills, South Hill, San Diego. And Lord, we know that greater things are in store for him, and we know that greater things are in store for South Hills. And God, we're just believing in you and leaning in on your Holy Spirit to guide us through this transition. We say these things in your name. Amen. Can we give him a huge round of applause? Thank you.